The following program is brought to you by Taste Bud Entertainment. Welcome to two hours of delicious conversation with Chef Jamie Gwynn. Dish with celebrity chefs, cookbook authors, and food experts, and gain inspirational ideas. You'll learn kitchen wisdom, wine education, and culinary trends, and eat and drink like you've never done before. Food and wine with Chef Jamie Gwynn starts now. Well, good morning, food lovers. We're so glad to have you. We're having a party. It's Hatch Chili Fest 2012, brought to you by Bristol Farms and Melissa's World Variety Produce. And we are broadcasting live from a truly extraordinary store. We hope you'll come on down and join us. There is a full breakfast buffet waiting for you, and it's on us. We are front and center at Bristol Farms in Manhattan Beach. We're on Rosecrans Avenue, and we are roasting. Well, we're roasting, and we're roasting Hatch Chilies, that is. Good morning, Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio, along with Lana, of course. You've tuned in to the hippest, the coolest, and no doubt this week in Southern California, the hottest culinary conversation on the radio. So true. So true. Good morning, Lana. Good morning. We're Good celebrating morning, Hatch Chili Fest 2012. If you're in your car, get off that exit off the 405 and come and join us. Once again, on Rosecrans Avenue, off the 405 Freeway, we're at Bristol Farms, Manhattan Beach, and we are roasting Hatch Chilies. What's all the fuss? Well, chili heads unite every year in Hatch, New Mexico, for what is a very short season of the celebrated green New Mexico Hatch Chili. And you're going to hear all about the flavor profile, how to store them, how to cook them, and how to savor them, and everything from pickling juice, that's right here, to tequila. That's this one, Chris. I know you want to know that, right? And we hope that if you're just leaving the house to join us for our live broadcast and breakfast this morning at Bristol Look at Farms. That gorgeous breakfast. Isn't that beautiful? If you hatch chili omelets. Hatch chili everything, oh, cream cheese for beautiful. your bagel, hatch chili inspired. If you're just leaving the house, though, please be sure to grab your kitchen knives because you've heard on this show before that most kitchen accidents happen from dull knives. Well, we have the number one knife sharpener in the country here, Chris Capehart, with his mobile sharpening truck. Mm -hmm. And you are going to be able to have your knife sharpened from Capehart Cutlery for just $3 a knife. His truck is in the parking lot here at Bristol Farms, and you're going to get a Knife 101 education coming up in, in a little bit. So stay tuned. Also, our plates are full this morning. You're going to hear about some Hatch Chili-inspired cocktails and how the blender cocktail is coming back. Tony Abuganum, the modern mixologist from Vegas, joins us. And coming up next hour, he's the barbecue guru, Barbecue University. Everyone who knows and loves Stephen Raiklin has become a better master griller because of him, and he joins us next hour as well. Come on down and join us in Manhattan Beach. You'll learn to make a chili ristra. Ida Rodriguez, corporate chef from Melissa's, will be with us all throughout this hour and next. And we're going to talk chili rellenos, hatch chili salsa, hatch chili tequila, hatch chili cornbread, everything hatch I could think. everything. That's right. To put hatch in, we most certainly did. If you have a fascination with chilies, this show is for you. We're going to add some sizzle and smoke and mm. fire, and it's going to be truly mm. delicious. And Robert and Ida know it all. Right. So let's start oh, off the there. Good morning to you. Good morning, Good morning to both of you. Robert Schuler is our resident produce guru, and you hear him here often describing how to pick the perfect watermelon and 
why those tomatoes come in such a variety of colors, but he is a Hatch Chili expert. Ida as well, having uh, visited the Hatch Chili Festival in New Mexico last year, you still smell like Hatch Chili. Oh, is that the new roaster? No, no, no. It's the new roaster, but it is. Very true, very true. Well, we're friends, so with all due respect, you know that we've still laughed for almost a year now about how when you leave New Mexico, you do smell of chili for a long time. Miles and miles from there, you can smell it. And it's quite incredible that tens of thousands of people show up, in fact. It is. It is something well worth going to. Yeah, definitely. Definitely enjoyed it and learned tons. I knew lots, but now I know way more. (laughs) And more than you ever wanted to know. So, Robert, if we can't get to Hatch, New Mexico for Labor Day weekend, would you please enlighten us to the beauty of the Hatch Chili? Well, the Hatch Chili, uh, first of all, you've got to understand it's only available for five, six weeks out of the year. Um, this is the first roast in here at Bristol Farms. And what makes this uh, Hatch Chili so special is you have to understand where it's grown. In Hatch, New Mexico, it's also referred to as New Mexico Chili. But specifically, the ones that we're roasting today are from the chili capital, not only of the United States, but of the world. There are millions and millions of chilies that are grown in this area, and I believe Hatch, New Mexico has a population of about 1,600 people, but every year, uh, um, it's always Labor Day weekend, is the big Hatch Chili Festival, where the the town of just less than 2,000 swelters, um, not only in heat, because it's the midst of summer, it also attracts up to 35,000 people to learn about everything Hatch Chili. I mean, you're talking about Hatch Chili ice cream, salsas. I think there's not something you can eat there without Hatch Chilies on it. Ida, did you have Hatch Chili ice cream? I did, but better than that, I had a uh, Hatch Chili shake. Oh, I have chili milkshake. How spicy was that? Not too spicy. It's not so much about the heat. It's about the flavor that the Hatch Chili has. Uh, They do come in hot, very, very hot and mild. I prefer the the medium, but you don't have to have it so hot. It's just it all has a wonderful flavor that you can't get from any other chili. Oh, how wonderful. So let me talk about the um, different varieties that we have here. Uh, Chef Ida mentioned there's mild and hot and extra hot. The ones we have here today that we're roasting, the mild variety, even though it's called the Hatch Chili or the New Mexican Chili, um, the mild variety is called Six Fours. For everybody in the Southwest, they know the Six Fours are very mild chili. They're kid-friendly. So they don't see chilies to understand the heat is a, a secondary consideration. Really, it's about the flavor there. And the Six Fours are kid-friendly. Now, the hot ones, for you chili heads out there who like the heat, the ones that we have here today are the famous baker variety. The baker variety are hot, similar to uh, jalapeno to serrano, so they kick up a little bit more flavors. But as we progress through the seasons at these roastings, we're going to be seeing other varieties like the New Mex, which is a... um, a uh, mild variety, and the also favorite in the Southwest, the Sandia, which is the hot variety. Okay, let's clarify that the heat in any chili is found in the veins and the seeds of the chili. So you can actually regulate the heat by cleaning a chili, whether roasted or fresh, jalapeno or hatch, by removing the veins and the seeds. Now, with that said, the Hatch Chili is known and loved for its sweetness. I mean, that's what chili heads talk about. If you search the Internet, if you visit Hatch, New Mexico, you know that Hatch Chilies are very prized, first and foremost, for their flavor up front. 
and then for the heat that follows. And what I think is very beautiful about the Hatch Chili is that it's unique in and of itself. Absolutely. There is no other chili that actually has that same flavor profile, which is what makes it so absolutely sought after, really. Yes, and um, if you look at it, if, you're, if you know chilies and have grown chilies um, in commercial growing areas uh, throughout the Southwest in California, um, chili crops are typically grown um, in an area of the country where a lot of people don't want to live because it's hot during the day and also hot at night during the summer heat because that's really what roasts what makes a chili really good. However, in the city of Hatch, in the, the, that area, the elevation is 4,000 feet, so it's above sea level. And so what you're going to have is you're going to have hot days. However, you're going to have a cool, crisp morning. And unlike any other chili that's grown out there commercially, that's why these um, Hatch chilies are so special. Okay, it's sort of like a designer chili, mm -hmm. essentially. And interestingly enough, when you talk about the Hatch Chili area or growing region, you have a very similar growing region to grapes and to the benefit of growing great Zinfandel, right? Hot afternoons, really cool mornings, right. that beautiful bricks level or sugar level of the grapes. Very so similar. what's all the fuss about? Well, you come on down, and this entire mm -hmm. incredible crew, hey, Melissa's crew, is roasting chilies at over 1,000 degrees in fire roasters, you take home your individually cryovac packages of roasted Melissa's Hatch chilies, or a case for that matter, and you just start cooking, right? You'll be inspired to make Hatch chili truffles coming up in just a little bit. Chocolatier pastry, uh, pastry chef Tracy Downey is with us, and she's going to share the beauty of a exclusive signature-created Hatch chili truffle just for today's occasion. And I put together a little snack for some friends here. Looks beautiful, so Jamie. So we wish you were with us. Thank you. That is my Hatch Chili-inspired antipasto platter brought to you by Chef Jamie Gwen in Bristol Farms. You have the sliced, and by the way, Chris Capehart, Capehart Cutlery, that is quite a leather finish knife. Oh, do I love that blade. Sliced Hatch Chilies, Bristol Farms Roasted Tomatoes, Roasted Garlic, Hummus, and Crackers. We're going to make some friends and spread this around. And we hope that you'll come on down. We are roasting Hatch Chilies for Hatch Chili Fest 2012. And the delicious conversation continues. More with Robert Schuler, Ida Rodriguez, you, me, Chef Jamie, and of course I wouldn't be here without Lana. Of course not. There's more fabulous food in your radio. Come on down. We're broadcasting live. Bristol Farms, Manhattan Beach. Breakfast is on us. Taste the best of Hatch, New Mexico. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Whether you love to cook or love to eat, I think you're all definitely in the right place. What do you think? We're gathering a crowd of chili lovers, Bristol Farms lovers, and truly the best produce anywhere. Along with Melissa's World Variety Produce and brought to you by Bristol Farms, we are broadcasting live. Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio with the most delicious conversation you might possibly find on a Sunday morning. Every Sunday beginning at 8 a.m. for two hours of delicious conversation. You'll find us here on KFWB. And we hope you'll come on down as we broadcast live. It's Hatch Chili Fest 2012, the start of the season. How is that Hatch Chili sausage? Pretty tasty, right? There's a whole Fabulous. slew of Hatch mm -hmm. Chili-inspired ingredients available at Bristol Farms. And, in fact, when you dine over the next few weeks in their cafe, look for the Hatch Chili omelet, the Hatch Chili burger, and the Hatch Chili grilled cheese sandwich. 
But if you'd like a taste of Hatch without having to go 37 miles north of Las Cruces, you could come on down right now and you could enjoy Melissa's Hatch Chili Salsa Verde, a baby Dutch yellow potato salad made with caramelized onions and Hatch Chili Vinaigrette. Hey, how come I don't have any of that right here? That sounds delicious. And a baby heirloom tomato and hatch chili salad, all at the Melissa's tent right here outside Bristol Farms, Manhattan Beach. We have a breakfast buffet, and you're more than welcome to come and partake. It's on us, and we hope you'll come and join us. Bring your kitchen knives, because Chris Capehart's mobile sharpening truck is here. He sharpens the best knives for the best chefs across the country, and you too can hone your edge. Right, Lana? Everything is like cutting butter. It is. Once we, you have oh. your knives sharpened, it's a miracle when you start cutting. It's like heaven in our mm-hmm. kitchen. You should see people want to come over, Chris. Yes. Well, it's I pretty think, great. <laughs> thank you. It's always nice to see a smile on your face. Well, thank you. We're glad to see you. We know and every cook knows that a sharp knife is the workhouse, uh, workhorse of the kitchen. could be the workhorse of your house, really. And without a really good knife, you can't really do anything. So... We'll start at the beginning, and while you talk about some of these knives, Chris, Lana and I thought, what a wonderful way to sort of share the love, you know, like Emerald does, passed around my antipasto platter. Nothing like 814 for y'all to finish that. But I thought we'd continue to share some food, and so we would make some carpaccios. Carpaccio doesn't apply to raw meat only. It applies to thinly sliced tomatoes and hatched chilies, and it could be a carpaccio of mushrooms or a fruit carpaccio. And so we're going to share the wealth, and uh, you should stick around because you might just learn something, and you should call a friend and have them come too. Or if you're listening, you should come on down to Bristol Farms Manhattan Beach because you too could gain culinary knowledge. This is knife sharpening at its best. And if you would, Chris, just start at the beginning because we think it's most important to talk about a few essential knives for every great cook's collection. Uh, So do I. I think a large variety of knives is something that most people want to have, but the desire to have a sharp knife is what everybody likes. Now, right here, we're going to be using a Santuco, a 7-inch Santuco, with a leather finish to cut the tomato. Now, it's also fluted on the sides so that the tomato does not stick. Right. We love those little indentations that actually allow the food to fall off. You all knew what that was for, right? And it's incredible today that you don't have to spend a lot of money on a knife that is really what is considered the utmost in technology. If you ever thought a knife could be, you know, technological, oh, it is. Yes, and it's so much easier to be able to pick a knife for what you want to cut. Now, the type of edges that I would use for tomato is the one that you're using right now. That's a leather finish. We use a leather wheel to finish the edge so that you can slice it as thin as you need to to use it for any type of dish that you want. Now, on the uh, variety of edges that are on this knife, I would also use a double honed uh, Santuca, which is a leather finish with a machine finish as well. Now, this kind of edge does not press down on the product, it does not bruise the product, and it allows you to have a uh, clean cut that will give you a uh, larger variety. Now, I have larger knives, Jamie, if you'd like to use a larger knife to cut the larger tomato. Um, I have an 8-inch chef's knife here that's a little bit bigger, or a 10-inch chef's knife that would work as well. Now, again, everybody wants to have a good, sharp knife, and the way to do that is to be able to design the edge for the knife, that, uh, for the product that you're cutting. Now, Jamie's cutting these tomatoes, and we can see these tomatoes are beautiful and full of flavor, and be able not to bruise it is what we're looking for. Right. And right now, she's doing a wonderful job. Thank God she's such a knife master as well. How about a round of applause for Jamie's knife work here? That's really gorgeous. Okay. Perfect slices. Now, Perfect. 
when we're going to be cutting these uh, chilies, I would recommend using something with a little bit more of a point. This is a six inch chef's knife that I've designed with a fluted edge. Once again, the fluted edge does not allow a product to stick to it when you're cutting thin. Okay, wait, hold on, prove it. I want to try it. All right. <laughs> All right, here we go. See, isn't that just incredible? You know, I mentioned at the beginning of the show that more accidents do happen from dull knives rather than sharp. Have you ever picked up a knife out of the drawer? By the way, the knives, they shouldn't be all piled in the drawer. They should have a cover on them or they should be in a wood knife holder where all the blades are kept safe and, and really smartly, uh, beautifully honed or sharp that way. And the truth is that if you've ever, you know, placed tremendous pressure on having to cut with a knife, that means your knives are dull and you'll have far better success in the kitchen with sharp knives. That's a fabulous edge, but I love the leather finish better. Yes, and again, for what you're cutting here, that works good. Now, remember everybody out there that Jamie is um, very, very intelligent in trying to discuss on how to control the knife. Remember, if you store your knife like a spoon, it will cut like a spoon. If you store your knife like a razor, it's more likely going to cut like a razor. So please keep that in mind. Do not drop them in a drawer altogether. No. Right. Talk to us about the other technology going on in knives today. We know that there is a, a Santoku, so we have these indentations. We see a lot of ceramic knives. I think we're going back to the metal blade a little bit more, but I've always said that the best knife is one that fits your hand well, that feels good when you're cutting. Correct. It's, uh, it's a matter of designing what you want to do and picking the knife to fit for you. Nobody's hand's the same. Nobody's balance is the same on manufacturers. So the way I suggest is, is to think about what you want, the end product, and then by there you move backwards to the knife and then find the knife that fits what's good for you. So Santoku technology, uh, there's ceramic technology today. What's next? Uh, right now there's a real popular with uh, the Teflon coated knives. They help uh, keep apples fresher. The oxidation of product, like using a ceramic knife or a Teflon coated knife, it won't oxidize the product as quickly. So if you want to cut up apples for your kids' lunch or things like this nature of oranges and things like this, your kids will appreciate it a lot more how fresh it looks, how fresh it tastes without pretty, having to mix it with lemon juice or anything like that. Pretty amazing. If you are listening in your car, driving around in your garden, or making your first cup of coffee for the morning, grab your kitchen knives, no matter where they are, and come on down. The Kpart Cutlery Mobile Sharpening Truck is in the parking lot here, and you can actually define your edge. Find the edge that's just right for you. Chris will sharpen your knives at $3 a knife. We're offering this incredible service, I believe, to great cooks alike, and it's your chance to come on down. Have breakfast with us. Pick up your hatch chilies of the season. Melissa's is roasting live. Cases of roasted and fresh hatch chilies are available here. Bristol Farms, Manhattan Beach. And breakfast is on us. So come on down and join us. We're going to take a, a quick cocktail break. We're going to have hatch chili ice cubes in ginger ale for all my friends. Wait till you taste it. We'll toast to Tony Abu Ghanem and his cocktail inspiration right after this. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana at Bristol Farms, Manhattan Beach. Come on down and join us. Welcome back. We have the best culinary thinkers on this show. This is a place for people who love to eat. If you're just tuning in, we're broadcasting live 
from Bristol Farms in Manhattan Beach. It's Hatch Chili Fest 2012, and we're kicking off the season fire roasting chilies with Melissa's World Variety Produce in-house, and you're invited for breakfast, for fun, and for chilies galore. Tony Abuganum is widely regarded as one of the pioneering and leading bar professionals in the world, and we're very lucky. He's our resident drink guru. Also known as the modern mixologist, he's joining us to spice things up this morning, and he's going to tempt our taste buds with some chili-inspired cocktails to kick it off. We're glad to have you back. Tony, good morning. Oh, Jamie, it's great to be back on the show. Hi, Lana. How are you? Hi there. Okay, so talk to us, because it seems sort of funny to say that when the mercury's rising, we should spice it up with some chili-inspired cocktails, but I'm doing everything I possibly can to truly appreciate this very short hatch chili season. I always say, don't arm wrestle with Mother Nature. And when she gives you beautiful products like the hatch chili, you really need to embrace it and utilize it in not only cooking, but in cocktails. As we both know, we take this culinary approach to making cocktails and utilize ingredients that might seem a little out of the norm for the cocktail shaker. Okay, so... How out of the norm? Because I actually think that fruit and chili pairs very beautifully together. And you've inspired uh, a lot of cocktails, not only from your book, which we read often and create cocktail recipes with friends and family and for shindigs all the time, um, but from the Modern Mixologist website, we're always finding new flavor combinations. That's one of the things you really pride yourself on. Absolutely. And like cooking, like mastering the mother sauces, once you have the foundation to grate cocktails down and you understand flavor combinations and pairings, it becomes really easy to incorporate maybe the not normal ingredients that you would expect in cocktails, such as hatch chilies. And in my book, The Modern Mixologist, I do a little twist on a Bloody Mary I call a Blonde Mary because, again, in the summer I utilized those beautiful yellow tomatoes and made a fresh yellow tomato juice from that, and what I did was I actually infused the vodka with different chilies, including the hatch chili, which really gave it a really beautiful, spicy note, but not so overly spicy, but it was the flavor that the chilies bring. Oh, it just lends itself so nicely. Oh, with that tomato, and, and I, I love the idea of the acidity of the tomato and the heat of the chili-infused vodka. Tell us about infusions. We're buying either fresh or roasted hatch chilies today. If we get a big jar, what's the best way to create our own flavored spirits at home? Well, when it comes to chilies, what I like to do is get a selection, or if you want to just really celebrate the hatch chili, get the hatch chili. I've honestly never tried roasting them, and they're fabulous, the flavor when you roast them, and then infusing them. I, I'm, I'm very curious how that would taste. It tastes pretty good, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I have to tell you, I take the Melissa's Roasted Hatch Chilies, I clean off the skins or the char, I throw them in a big jar, and then I pour in as many bottles as I can possibly procure of tequila, and I let it sit. Now, this happens to be a very hot season, so my tequila is running rather spicy, but the flavor is very umami. It's very rich. It's got that sort of smoky backbite that I really like. I was going to recommend tequila. See, Jamie, how we think alike now? Our yeah, vodka, are... tequila. I love how we think alike, yeah. Tony. Because you've got the herbaceousness of the agave and yes. the tequila, uh, especially a Highland uh, silver tequila would be fabulous for that. And, and you can translate, 
translate that into making a Bloody Maria, which is mm-hmm. the tequila version of our Bloody Mary. Right. But what I really loved doing with, again, the roasted hatch chilies was working them into a puree and then adding the puree along with tomato juice and beef bouillon in a bloody bowl, oh. which is kind of a, a twist on uh, the Bloody Mary as well, but it has the beef bouillon, so you get that flavor along with that puree of the roasted hatch chilies and, ah. Uh, Again, you're only limited by your creativity and your understanding of flavor pairing. I'm loving that idea. Okay, Bloody Bulls, uh, my house this afternoon, Lana, and all my friends here. Uh, Okay, you mentioned tomato, and we know, while we consider it a vegetable, that it actually falls under the category of a fruit. So fresh and fruity, spicy, juicy. I don't know anyone better than you, Tony, to mix up some other cool combinations and inspire new flavors. And I was thinking strawberry. Because strawberry cocktails to me are a must for summer, and I I love the classic cocktail of strawberry margarita, but you must have something clever up your sleeve when it comes to mixing chilies and other fruits. Well, that here again, you know, using um, any type of muddle drink, a caipirinha, caiparoshka, uh, a mojito, any of these flavors are going to work really nice with just muddling a little bit of the fresh chili, mm. and it's a real easy way to impart it. Um, and I always, you know, you mentioned the heat. Always taste first because it's like throwing anything out of balance. Too much heat and whack, and it just knocks the other ingredients out of uh, proportion. But you, you mentioned strawberry, and we do a drink at the restaurant Enoteca Liquori Bar in New York called a 323. And although there isn't any chili in it, it would, again, just add another layer of complexity and flavor. But it's, it's muddled basil, reduced uh, balsamic vinegar, fresh strawberries and only when they're in season, right. a little bit of lemon juice, a little bit of simple, and then we use a Hendrix gin, which already brings you that cucumber kind of note. Yeah, real we, refreshing. Real refreshing. We infuse that with a little sprig of rosemary, so you could infuse it with the hatch chili for five days, and then again, just bring more complexity to the drink, but it's following that basic recipe mm. of acid coming from lemon juice, sweet coming from simple syrup, base spirit, and then just modifying it with this combination of flavors. And it's, it's a beautiful, refreshing summertime drink. You're making me thirsty, Tony. I love the idea of the balsamic vinegar. That is truly what sets your cocktails apart to me because it has that high acidity. And then you have the sweetness of the fruit. And we know that we can muddle either fresh, also known as raw, hatch chilies, or we could throw in some of the roasted if we wanted to try for that very smoky undertone, but when it comes to a muddler, Lana, I have the best muddler on the planet. Wait, don't, you don't do we? too. Yes. <laughs> I want to recommend to my listeners that if you're looking for the best bar tools, and it's not just because Tony's on the radio, this is a gentleman who has more years of experience and more awards under his belt creating craft cocktails across this great country of ours, and your line of the cocktail tools is really fabulous, Tony, and we thank you for putting out a muddler that is absolutely brilliant. I love that it's made from the solid cherry wood, and it really packs a punch. And if you've ever, you know, tried to substitute with the back of a wooden spoon, you're just not doing your cocktails justice. You're so right. Having the right tools not only makes it so much easier, but it makes it a lot more fun to entertain at home yes. and, and impress your friends. And to show off, that's right. <laughs> and to always show off. Talk to us about blender cocktails as we come to the tail end of summer. 
Tony, I think there's a blender resurgence going on, at least in the bars that we're visiting across the country. I mean, I know that Waring actually came out with their first blender in the 1930s. And that was a big deal, to throw everything into the blender. And then we started mixing, hand mixing, shaking, stirring. Do you see more blender cocktails out there, and are you creating more than ever? I, I do. And, and actually, two years ago, I was on a campaign, um, Bring Back the Blender. because Bring I, I Back think, the Blender, baby. <laughs> I think the blender kind of got a bad rap be- behind a lot of the bars in America, and you, you go up and try to have a pina colada, and the bartender would be, oh, sorry, dude, the blender's broke. Um, <laughs> everybody's blender's broken all of a sudden. Yeah, how, why is that? Uh, but I, I do. I actually just did an episode of Iron Chef America, Battle Tropical, and uh, the final drink I did is a drink that's from my book called The Funky Monkey, and it utilizes the blender, and it's, it's not only one of my favorite blender drinks, but perhaps one of my favorite drinks that I've ever created, and it's based on um, rum with um, fresh banana, mm. Coco Lopez coconut cream. Mm. It has crumb the banana, crumb the cocoa, mm. and it's just, it's a really, you blend that all up, you know, you're getting your potassium from the fresh banana, so it's still <laughs> a fresh drink. <laughs> I love the way you look at things, Tony. I really do. Tony, can we share that recipe from the book, The Modern Mixologist, Your Cocktail Encyclopedia? And then will you keep us up to date on when your Iron Chef is airing so that we can throw a party? I, it, it's, it's actually airing right now. Okay. So if you go to foodnetwork.com and look for Battle Tropical. Battle Tropical. Um, it's Iron Chef uh, Forgione, and I'm paired with uh, Chef McLean from awesome. Sage Re- Restaurant in Las Vegas. Yes. Congratulations to you. We know that uh, you're gracing the Iron Chef stage uh, makes everything a little more lively and everything more sippingly delicious, as I like to say. And we will watch, and we will create funky monkeys, and we will definitely be infusing both fresh and the roasted hatch chilies in our vodka and our tequila and taking cocktail inspiration from you. And we thank you for always taking time out of a very busy day to share what you are so brilliant at and what we love most about you, and that is your true talent for craft cocktails and for moving the bar world along at a quick pace. We hope to have you back on again really soon. Oh, Jamie, Lana, you have a brilliant day. Enjoy the Thank festival. You. We will. Thank you. Happy we wish shipping. you were here. Yes. Uh, you'll find more from Tony Abuganum from his book called The Modern Mixologist. Add it to your collection and go online to modernmixologist.com. The delicious conversation continues delivering the world of food directly to your radio Come on down and join us. Get your fix. It's Hatch Chili Fest 2012. Melissa's World Variety Produce Roasting Chilies live over an open fire. We're at Bristol Farms, Manhattan Beach. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana in your radio. We'll be right back. Sweet Melissa. Love that Sweet Melissa song. We're heating it up in your radio every Sunday with grand guests and chef's tips that hopefully make your dishes come alive with flavor. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana in your radio. Can you all take a break from your hatch chili cookie and make some noise, please? There we go. 
We're loving our loyal fans and friends celebrating 13 years on Southern California Radio. By the way, you can find this show on iTunes where you can listen to a podcast on your mobile device at any time. And you can also find us serving up seconds and all the recipes heard on this show at ChefJamie.com. We are live at Bristol Farms in Manhattan Beach for Hatch Chili Fest 2012. Melissa's Produce is here and they're broadcasting live with us because they are fire roasting chilies as if it weren't hot enough, right? They're fire roasting hatch chilies right here next to Bristol Farms in the parking lot. And we hope you'll come down and grab your case of either fresh or roasted hatch chilies, the prized New Mexico chili with the very short season. You can taste from uh, some delicious foods, and you can also enjoy some education following the show. We're going to do a produce demonstration inside the store, and I'm going to be grilling it up. And in the interim, we hope you'll continue to listen, because after harvest in the late summer and the early fall in New Mexico, or any chili-growing region for that matter, the chilies are strung to dry them so that you have your chilies year-round. And if you're lucky enough to be a friend of Ida Rodriguez of Melissa's, mm -hmm. just like me, and of course Melissa's a proud partner with Bristol Farms, then you have a hatch chili ristra that was brought to you on the lap of Ida on the plane all the way back from Hatch Chili Fest 2011. But this year, you're going to be able to make it yourself. How cool is this, right? So... The ristra usually gets uh, hung, I know, in front of the house, Ida, and you'd be proud to know that all throughout the holiday season last year, I hung mine on my front door. It's said to bring good fortune, mm -hmm. so grab your string. And it has. And it has, mm -hmm. uh, because here we go. Ida Rodriguez, corporate chef from Melissa's, is going to walk us through how to make a chili ristra. Love it. All right, Jamie. Well, traditionally, they're used to preserve the chilies. That is their main purpose. However, they're very pretty. They make them in different shapes, and they're used a lot for decorations in home. People keep them year-round, just as you have. But the idea is that you would save the chilies this way. They would dry, and when they dry, they turn red, like the dry chilies. So you are then able to make chili sauce with it or uh, chili flakes and use it year-round. Uh, the best thing to do when you want to make a ristra is to lay the chilies out somewhere and let them dry for three or four days. Okay. In New Mexico, what they do is they'll put them on the roof of their house and let them air dry for three or four days or out on a big table outside where it's nice and hot and dry. You want to, for them to release some of the moisture in the stem so that when you do tie them, they stay together. So that's the best way. If you take them and they're too fresh and try to do this, you, you run the risk of them molding. And Ida, when do they start turning red? As they dry. As they dry, they and will in start. In the dark also? Uh, no, it doesn't have to be dark. It just has to be cool and dry. Okay. And you don't want a lot of moisture. There has to be air circulation. From what I understand from my research in wanting to be knowledgeable about chili ristras coming into this, you hang them by the front door for good fortune, but also because the front door of your home uh, creates air movement usually because there's three walls, so there's mm -hmm. some circular movement that comes Correct. around right at the front door, and so that circulation actually forces the chilies to dry from the inside out. Correct. You will see them everywhere. People hang them in their front porch, and they're, uh, you think it's decoration, but it's really how they're preserving their chilies, another way to preserve them dry Interesting. instead of freezing them like we like to do. Right. But um, they, And because it, by the time they're nice and red and dry, it's Christmas time, so they're used a lot for Christmas. Uh, to people use them as decorations, put 
bows on them, and it's part of your Christmas decoration. It was my Christmas present from you. Yeah. I love it. And it was early. It was in September. A little early. So they do last a really long time, but you can actually eat the chili. Sometimes they will uh, varnish them, spray a little shellac on them just for looks, and it keeps them a lot longer. They're nice and shiny. However, you can't use them then. Right. For uh, At that point, they're meant as decorative Correct. chili restras. These are meant as edible. So, okay, if, if I could describe on it's the radio to describe. this contraption, <laughs> essentially, you just need anywhere that you can actually hang a string from. Correct. So if you have a clothesline or if you have a, a, a pull-up bar in your home or a doorway or a doorknob even, and right. you were willing to work um, even off the freezer door, I was thinking in the kitchen, you know, you'd be uh, high, tall enough at that point to stand up. And you start with just traditional, looks like butcher's twine. It is, it is kitchen twine. And I've just made it six, uh, four times the length that I want them. Okay. I, uh, I don't know if I've told you before, but you can buy them up to six feet long. Oh, my gosh. Really, they're beautiful. Amazing. Amazing. Absolutely beautiful. Or little wreaths or yours is probably about 15 inches long, and you can make them as long as you want. They are extremely heavy when they're fresh. Yes. And you can feel this. Whereas they dry, they get a lot lighter. Okay. So, so it's just kitchen twine. I find some way to hang it. Here, I've used this... this um, Clothing rack. Contraption. Yes, yeah. I like it. It works. <laughs> and just doing slip knots. Okay. So you just take the string, make a slip knot, and you want you need to use chilies that are, are um, the stems are very strong, so okay. you don't want any that are broken, because the stem is what's going to hold it on, and you just tie it, and the weight itself is what pulls it down. Right. So by the time they do dry, they're nice and tight in there, and they don't come come off. Yeah, and they have this beautiful ca look of cascading chilies, which I love. And as they dry from green to red, you have this gorgeous, richly colored wreath. For about a 12-inch to 15-inch chili ristra, Ida, how many cases of fresh hatch chilies oh, do you, can you make, need? You can make a couple with a case. A they do. Okay. You, I mean, this probably has about 25, I guess, right here. Right. I, I'm not done. It's so, just so, beautiful. Yeah. So, like I said, you can make we'll a really We'll keep going because my six-foot chili ristra hasn't arrived oh yet. <laughs> <laughs> There's a challenge. Yeah, exactly. extremely heavy. Not today. No. <laughs> Um, now, for those of you listening, we are videotaping this radio segment, and we will have video posted at chefjamie.com, at melissa's.com, and at bristolfarms.com, along with on YouTube in the weeks to come. And this particular demo on how to make your own chili ristra will be posted so that you can follow along. And, you know, Christmas in July, they say. Well, I'm figuring Christmas in August at this point. You can start making chili ristras for gift-giving throughout the holiday season now. <laughs> Hang them, whether it be on your front porch, by your front door, even in your garage, and let Absolutely. them start drying out. What a beautiful handmade uh, gift and, of love. And you can actually use it if you want. You can. It's a way to preserve the chilies. For sure. So what do you do with the dried chilies? Because the first thing I think of is a good red chili sauce. Of course. That's the best thing to do with them. You can also reconstitute them and make some chili rellenos with it. Ooh. Those are nice. Okay. Or you can um, put it in the blender or the spice grinder uh -huh. and make 
chili flakes to sprinkle over. Ooh, that I like. Good chili powder is on its way. The chili ristra demo was just provided by Ida Rodriguez, corporate chef and our dear friend, and well done, Ida. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. As the delicious conversation continues, grab a snack and come on back. We have a whole other hour of fabulous food. We're broadcasting live at Bristol Farms Manhattan Beach as we sip on hatch chili ice cubes in cool, refreshing ginger ale. The breakfast buffet is still full, and we'd love to feed you this morning. We're making it hotter than ever, in fact. Melissa's is roasting Hatch Chili Live. Hatch Chili's live, and you're invited. Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana in your radio. We're at Bristol Farms, Manhattan Beach. Come join us. We'll be right back. Welcome to the second hour of delicious conversation with Chef Jamie Gwynn. Dish with celebrity chefs, cookbook authors, and food experts, and gain inspirational ideas. You'll learn kitchen wisdom, wine education, and culinary trends, and eat and drink like you've never done before. Food and Wine with Chef Jamie Gwynn starts now. Welcome back as the delicious conversation continues broadcasting live from Bristol Farms, Manhattan Beach. You should be here. You're missing out. Wherever you are driving around in your car or maybe you're gardening this morning, good sir, you have very good taste. You are sipping what I hope is a hatch chili ginger ale cocktail. If not, it's on its way. And breakfast is on us. It's Hatch Chili Fest 2012 and Melissa's is roasting hatch chilies ready for you by the case, by the package. By the palate, if you like, Hatch Chilies from New Mexico are the prized, often four to six week limited harvest that have become all the rage, the talk of the town with food lovers and chili heads that have united. And our friends and fans are here for Hatch Chili Fest 2012 on the Bristol Farms website and at melissas.com along with at chefjamie.com where we're always serving up seconds. You'll find roasting dates for all of the Hatch Chili roastings at Bristol Farm stores from now through the second weekend in September. And we hope that you'll mark your calendar and come on down and join us September 9th for the final day of Hatch Chili roastings from Melissa's at Bristol Farms in Newport Beach. But today at Bristol Farms in Manhattan Beach, come on down. Breakfast is on us. And you just might learn something. In fact... We're going to make life a little bit sweeter in just a moment. Also coming up later this hour, you're going to hear from the barbecue guru, Stephen Raiklin. And we're serving up some chili. Whose chili is it? Well, we can't tell you yet because we're going to name our contest winner before the end of the hour. But a vegetarian chili with an avocado and corn salsa actually won our chili challenge. And we'll be posting the recipe tomorrow morning at chefjamie.com. But you can get a sneak peek or a sneak taste, for that matter, right now. How is that chili? Who's tasted it yet? It's fabulous. Yeah, it really is. It's a tasty one of all the chilies we made. To tone down the heat of the chili, there's nothing like chocolate. I like a little chocolate in my chili, actually. But we're creating something sweet and spicy this morning with chocolatier Tracy Downey. Exploring the world of chocolate with Tracy is always an extraordinary thing. She is the creator of extraordinary award-winning chocolates under the name... 
Zan Confections. Zan Confections, thank you. Um, and Tracy teaches classes throughout Southern California on chocolate and caramel, and we asked her to create a signature inspired chocolate for our Hatch Chili broadcast, and she certainly rose to the challenge. Wait till you all taste the first ever Hatch Chili chocolate truffle. Yes, you heard me right. It's a chocolate truffle inspired by the beauty of New Mexico Hatch Chilies, and we're glad to have you. Welcome, Tracy. Thank you, Jamie. Okay, so talk to us about how we take a savory ingredient, like a Hatch Chili, and incorporate it into chocolate. Well, of course, in my mind, I think anything goes with chocolate, so... <laughs> yes, that I, we know. Thank I, you. I love that. Um, one of the things I love about Hatch Chili is not only the fact that they are so limited, and so it makes them that much more special, their flavor, but what they tell you is if you want to kill the heat of something to drink milk or something with dairy. So when I created these truffles, I actually created them without any dairy. So you get the real full, clean flavor of the chili and the heat of the chili without it being extinguished by a dairy product. Have you tasted that? No, I just have to say, Ida, did you have a truffle yet? I have one right here for you. The beauty of the truffle is that you get the richness of the chocolate with the sort of finish of the sweet, round, wonderful, smoky flavor of the chili itself. So it ends with a little bit of bite, and then you get that sweet, you know, finish again. That is scrumptious. Thank you. Oh, congratulations to you. It's a winner. Okay, I'll eat and you cook. Okay, so... What we're going to start with is we need to create a hatch chili paste. Okay. So we're going to start with a cup of apple cider vinegar into a blender, eight ounces of hatch chilies that are roasted. Right. And if you have a large, you know, like a Vitamix or something that's a heavy-duty blender, you don't need to worry about the skins or the, or the stems. You can include them. Seeds, for that matter. Now, if you wanted a less spicy truffle, you would remove or clean the veins and the seeds from the chilies in advance, and then you would get a more subtle chili flavor. Correct. And if you're using a regular kitchen blender, um, something that doesn't have a lot of speed, then I would go ahead and peel the skin and take off the stems and take out the seeds also. Okay, very good. So we would just go ahead and start this and get it going. Okay. Um, and I've actually, for sound issues, I went ahead and, and pureed some last night. Yeah, I call that through the magic of television. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> so in a pan, you're going to um, start off, whenever you're dealing with sugar and heat, it's best if you have any liquid to start with the liquid in the bottom of the pan first to keep from getting any hot sugar spots or any hot, um, hot sugar burns. And then pour your sugar in right on top of the liquid. It starts to liquefy it, and we have a half a cup of apple cider vinegar to three cups of sugar is what I just put in the pot. And we're going to turn this up to high. Okay, essentially you're making a caramel, but it's not water-based. Correct. So it's a vinegar-based caramel. Why vinegar? Um, I'm using the vinegar to offset the alkaline of the chilies. So for me, it has to do with, you know, almost like that pickling um, process. Yes, that flavor profile, for sure. That's like when I use chocolate in regular pot of chili to offset the tomatoes. Exactly, the acidity of the tomatoes offset 
by the, the beauty and flavor, same here, of the chilies versus the vinegar. Exactly. Okay. And the nice thing about this process, so we're, we've, we've pureed the chilies and we've started the sugar and the vinegar, we're going to add the pureed chilies then into the sugar mixture, right? and we're going to cook this down. And basically, if you've ever made uh, jalapeno jam or anything like that, um, it's the same premise here, except that because it's pureed, it really turns it into a sauce. And that sauce is then going to emulsify and, and blend in with the chocolate, which creates that ganache, which we call a chocolate truffle in America. Um, but you can take the leftover sauce and you can use it on barbecued meats or vegetables, or you could mix a little powdered sugar to it and add it to a cake or cupcakes or cookies. See, it's what I call a twofer, right? You're essentially making what is a hatch chili glaze reduction. Correct. And then you're adding that in what proportion to chopped chocolate? To chopped chocolate, I'm doing one part of the sauce to one and a half parts of chocolate. Okay, perfect. So like a traditional ganache or truffle, you pour the hot liquid over the chopped chocolate in a bowl, and you let it melt, stirring occasionally until it's all a smooth, consistent product. Yes. And you have this gorgeous ganache, essentially, that's infused with the flavor of hatch chilies. You let it cool until it What we do is once it's heated up, so the chili and sugar mixture is going to boil for five minutes. Once it's boiled for five minutes, we're going to add a little bit of liquid pectin. Okay. So I'm using just a... Sort of, you know, liquid pectin. You add that in, you let it boil one more minute, and we're doing it, of course, in uh, speed time. Right. (laughs) So one more minute like this, and then you pour that over the chocolate. Right. Which I've already got. Okay, perfect. So like a traditional ganache or truffle, you pour the hot liquid over the Because there's a little bit of heat today. Occasionally until it's all. And then what I love to do when I'm making a ganache is I love these stick blenders. So if you have a stick you have this at home, they are the best thing in the world, but if you don't, you can just use um, your spatula you and do cool little tiny circles on the inside what we do and is, uh, until it blends it's, up. It's heated up. So okay, so we're going to take the hot liquid and we're going to go for five minutes. The chocolate, we're only going to do eight ounces to, or I'm sorry, 16 ounces to 24 ounces of chocolate. I'm going to have another truffle while we talk stick blender. Just so everybody knows. Oh, that's delicious. So... By the way, a stick blender, an immersion blender, whatever you have to blend uh, butternut squash soup in the pot is what you're using here. And you're incorporating, again, the chocolate and the chili (laughs) mixture together. Because there's a little bit of Exactly. You're looking for that great emulsification. If you're ever working with a truffle or a ganache and and it looks broken, it looks uh, curdled or oily, then it's it's a broken ganache. And you really want to have a nice, smooth, glossy look. And that's what you're ultimate you're looking for. So once you have it all mixed up, then what you're going to do is you're going to take the ganache and you're going to lay it out on a hot plastic wrap lined. Pan. Chocolate. We're only going to do and you're going to cover to, uh, it with more actually in contact with have another that chocolate, chocolate ganache on the surface. On the surface. While we talk and then you're going to let it sit for you know 12 to 24 hours in the refrigerator. So, um, or by the way, a at a cool temperature so that it hardens. It crystallizes. Yeah, just going to roll it up into balls. You can coat it in chocolate, or you can just roll it into cocoa powder, and boom, you're done. And you have the most fabulous flavor. What a great end result. Absolutely love it. We're sharing Tracy Downey's 
Hatch Chili 2012 Inspired Chocolate Truffle Recipe at ChefJamie.com. And we hope you'll check it out. But there are still truffles left. So if you'll come on down and join us, we're at Bristol Farms Manhattan Beach. And you, too, can taste the beauty of a truffle-inspired chocolate. We love what you're doing now, Tracy, creating uh, vegan, low-glycemic, non-dairy, gluten-free chocolates. And um, we are truly inspired by the fact that we know you were inspired by kids and adults alike who came into your store who had food allergies and couldn't really enjoy the beauty of chocolate. And we know you love a challenge. So we're going to have everyone go to your website and check out what you're doing now. And we hope to have you back on the radio again to inspire us uh, once more with chocolate. Yes, of course. You'll find Tracy. Tracy Downey and her chocolates at mychocolatefix.com. It's mychocolatefix.com. When we come back, Stephen Raiklin, barbecue guru, with some tips on the ultimate caveman steak. We're talking onions, jalapenos, and a charred T-bone, baby. Don't touch that dial. There's more delicious conversation live. Hatch Chili Fest 2012 at Bristol Farms, Manhattan Beach. Come on down. Welcome back. It's delicious. It's divine. It's food and wine. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana in your radio. Now, this is quite a coup. We love when this grilling guru, the master, joins us here. Great cooks across the globe. You smoke and fire to coax new flavors out of food. And American barbecue is definitely the result of those influences. Well, Stephen Reichlin is bringing a world of flavors to us. He is America's grill master, the multi-award winning author host of the PBS series Primal Grill and Barbecue University, the king of the Q. Don't have any more titles, really. He has four million copies of his cookbooks in print, and he is the winner of five James Beard Awards. He joins us once again, and we're delighted. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning. How are you? We're doing great. I'm so glad to have you back. It's divine. It's food and wine. Thank you. So we're roasting hatch chilies this morning. Yeah, I know. That's, you know, I always love the Uses of live fire that are out of the great cooks and everybody the knows how to grill a steak or smoke ribs, but if you've never seen that roasting process, an American barbecue sort of is definitely res- the result of those influences. Burn well, Stephen Reichlin is bringing a world of flavors to us. He is America's grill I agree. I wish you were here. So we've got those tumblers roasting the chilies, and I love that sound of the flame and the fire, like you said, because it really it brings summer alive to me. And we're in the and heat he of summer, so of I wonder what you feel has been the biggest trend in grilling so far this season. Good morning. Well, well yeah. we're one doing great. I'm so glad to have you back. Chilies is meatless uh, grilling. That is well, thank very you. So we're roasting hatch chilies this morning. And not just in and, uh, uh, I know, but all over the world. Uh, Our yeah, Dutch publisher took Sir Reichland's best meatless recipes from five of my books and bundled them into a vegetarian grill book that's become a bestseller. Another big trend this year is every year is ribs. People are just Ribs, crazy. Thank God. Yeah, it's that, time for, uh, for my new book, Best Ribs Ever. I yes, agree. that's I the lit here. So we've got those tumblers roasting, roasting the chilies. And I love that sound of the flame yeah, and the you. fire, the mouthful, like you said. Yeah, yeah and really, so are the so 
fall off the bone ribs. to me. And we're in the heat of summer, so I wonder what yes seal has been the biggest trend in grilling so far this season. Well, I think okay. So set the record straight, if you would. You know, it boils down to sort of a half a dozen factors. Is one is picking the right ribs, and if you're new to this game, I recommend using a baby back, which is a supernaturally well marbled, extremely tender, quick cooking rib. You can make great baby backs and become a bestseller. Another big trend. And if you were going to go the big dinosaur root, what are well, our other choices? That, that would be your dinosaur ribs or your yeah, small that, bone uh, root for, uh, right. for my uh, very popular Texas. Yes, I that's the lip smackingest, mouth wateringest, crowd pleasingest, fall off the bone recipe cookbook I ever saw. Yeah, thank you. That's a mouthful. Yeah, and so are the fall off the bone ribs. And then give us a crash course just going back to the baby backs from start to finish. Make sure to. Really want to up your okay, game. so you set the record straight if like you would. Pork, you know, it uh, or yes. sort of a half Second a step is to either for you to remove right the papery skin and on new to this game, game, I recommend using the inside of the ribs or as you butcher naturally. I call that the membrane, right, Stephen? That's right. Why do you do that? Because it's great to be absorbed And if you were going to go the big dinosaur route, what are our other choices? That would be your dinosaur ribs or your long bone beef ribs. Salt, pepper, paprika. I'd hit Brown sugar. Step number four, and this is where I differ a little bit, and then those get slow smoke for about four I like to indirect grill my ribs at a slightly higher temperature for baby about 325. And then give us a crash course just going back to the baby backs from start to finish. Make sure to... baby back, if you really want to up your game, you buy a heritage breed like Berkshire pork. Step number five, you second want to spray the ribs either for you to remove the paper skin or make concave section the inside of the ribs, mixture of cider. I call that the membrane, right, That's Stephen? Right. Why do you do that? Because you do not want to put added sugar on your ribs while they're cooking. Or else the sugar will powder. Step number three, make a for rub. For the same reason, if you use barbecue sauce, it goes on at the end. The last five minutes of pepper, paprika, brown Right, and we learned that from you many, many years ago. The sugar in that barbecue sauce or whatever mop you're using to finish those ribs or anything off the grill for that matter needs to caramelize but never burn. And it's that last five minutes or so that gives you the glaze, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's the lick your fingers part that I love. Yeah, and I call the process lacquer. Right, we've been working indirect grilling Step and smoking five, for most of the cooking process. Spray the ribs while brush the sauce on the ribs, then move the ribs directly over the fire. Sauce. So you're actually that sizzling the mixture sauce of cider, uh, beer, mm. and that coffee, you anything but soup. Yeah, and I love that term, lacquering. I have to mention to you, Stephen, that recently we had the modernist cuisine guys on. And Nathan Mirvold, I visited with him in actually two weeks ago in Seattle. Right. Yes, and we heard that you taught him a couple years ago. The sugar in that well, barbecue sauce uh, or whatever you're using to finish those ribs or anything off well, the grill for that matter. That. Yeah, they really are. I will say, and we had a conversation about so your love of apple glaze, cider in a spray right? bottle yeah, at the grill. Exactly. Yep. And uh -huh. that's the, the addition of fat there, too. Yeah, and so and, uh, Lana and I and Nathan talked, too, about adding warm bacon fat to that spray bottle for, like, pork chops and ribs. What's your stance? Oh. 
Exactly well, my stance is that in theory it sounds yeah, and like I a love great that term, idea. Mockering. I have to mention to you, Stephen, that recently we had the modernist the cuisine guys yes. on. It was, of course. And I might go to Plan B, and that would be to actually just put the cider in, and uh, bacon fat in, in a, uh, in a yes, pot. Yes, and we heard that you taught him a couple of grilling techniques or two. Well, uh, I would say I was more on the receiving end of knowledge Well, yeah, they really are, I will say. And we do have the greatest culinary thinkers on this show. Just tuned in, in by the way, you're late at because grill. we're dishing yep. and uh-huh. Stephen Raikland. The addition of fat, and they Stephen are too. And so book, Lana by the way, and I and Nathan talked about, about the best burgers. It's 25 of his best burger recipes with condiments inside Ooh. as well. Like we're broadcasting live from Bristol ribs. Farms, oh. Manhattan What's Beach, the, along with Melissa's awesome. Produce. What's your stance? It is Hatch Chili well, Fest 2012. And Stephen, this New Mexican green chili burger with salsa verde from the book is rather apropos today. And congratulations, by the way, because the new burger book is amazing. Well, thank you. For me, it's all about breaking boundaries, and use a barbecue mopper, discovering new flavors, not the price to be complicated, but it does, in my little territory, explode new flavors. That it does. And it's hard to be the fresh roasted. See, we do have the greatest culinary thinkers on this show. If you've just tuned in, by the way, you're late because we're dishing the chili verde sauce. And that gives Stephen you sort of a double dose book, of that way is flavor. all about Absolutely. the oh, best ultimate. Now, you also it's created 25 of his new best cheese burger recipes with in the book. And I thought it was really well. interesting to read live through from because we've known and learned along from you that stuffing cheese in the inside of a patty was a fest, great way to keep the cheese from dripping off the top. And, but you've taken this New Mexican green chili burger with salsa verde from the book is rather apropos today. And congratulations, by the way, because the new burger book is amazing. And that has a tendency for me it's all about Breaking mm. boundaries, pushing the envelope, discovering new yes. flavors, and then the melting to be complicated. That what does in my book mouth feel that normally you would get mm. when that it's it rare, and it's hard to be the fresh temperature. So it's really yeah. I love this burger piled with the strips of roasted chili and then the chili throughout the meat gives you sort of a double dose of that Melissa's hat chipotle mayo and now you also create new cheese that is definitely my kind of burger. I thought it was really interesting to read. It, it does. Give us your opinion on stuffing the perfect the blend of freshly ground beef, the ratio of lean meat to fat. There's a whole, but you've well, taken education the at the beginning reason, of the burger the book that really does that you really teach to you to master a better safe. burger. The safe temperature is 120 Right. And sometimes in our obsessed dry the meat out, but if you you can into the meat, then the melting gives you that luscious, however mouthfeel that normally you would get when it's rare, but you're Yes, and so I love the idea of shredded our, uh, cheese throughout menus the and our blend. recipes to and go then the your Stephen Reichlin route, chipotle and mayo, and um, as you call them, some you, uptown you like briskets in there. That is definitely uh, my well, kind of burger. It does. Give us your opinion like on the perfect blend of freshly ground beef, the ratio of lean meat to fat. And only from grilling expert would you ever hear the word sonorous bass note. That really does read more to master right better prose, by the way. It is not just in his 28 barbecue books, but in a new novel recently released called An Island Apart. And all strewn throughout 
about recipes and inspiration to keep you thinking in that culinary mode. And so, we're marking our uh, menus and our recipes to go the Stephen Reichland route. And Stephen, the blend of the meat, do you do you like a brisket in there? Yes. Well, either brisket is great, or I like sirloin and chuck. I've always wanted to attend Barbecue University. Trust me, you do too. And you and want only to from be America's grilling Stephen Reichland's newsletter, the word sonorous for grilling notes. If you like to everywhere, more you can learn more Stephen at barbecuebible.com. By the way, it is not Stephen, just you always in his so much, and it was a pleasure to have you once books, again. We but thank you for novel our summer with better barbecue. Called, well, uh, an island apart, Stephen. Thank you. As the delicious conversation continues, you heard it here in Stephen Reichland in your radio chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana at Bristol Farms Manhattan Beach. Come on down along with Melissa's roasting hatch. Chili's uh, live. Get your fix. You wouldn't want to miss it, right? I've always wanted to attend Barbecue University. Trust me, you do too. Are y'all having and a good time? And you want to be reading Stephen Reichland's newsletter. That's because your mouth is on fire. Enthusiasts everywhere. You can learn more at barbecuebible.com. Stephen, you always teach us so much, and it was a pleasure to have you once again. We thank you for gracing our summer with better barbecue. Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana, in your radio. We're broadcasting as the delicious conversation continues. You heard it here, because it's Stephen Reichland in your radio. Chef Jamie Gwen, along with Lana at Bristol Farms Manhattan Beach. Come on down, along with Melissa's. We're roasting hatch chilies live. Get your fix. You wouldn't want to miss it, right? Every Sunday morning, beginning at 8 a.m., two hours of delicious conversation and fabulous food in your radio. Are y'all having a good time? That's because your mouth is on fire. Manhattan Beach. Next My Hatch Chili Ice Cube has just completed its melting process. And it is thoroughly infused itself into my ginger ale. Now that's delicious. Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana in your radio. We're broadcasting live from Bristol Farms in Manhattan Beach. Why? Because it's Hatch Chili Fest 2012. And there's nothing like a hot Southern California day. A couple of roast hours over a thousand degrees or so. Ice cube. Flame and the and best her New tip Mexico was hatch chilies anywhere. Roasted, Where else are you going to find other than 37 miles west of the blender with water? The designer chili it up until you have a watery that chili everyone mixture knows and loves into your ice cube succulent. trays. Now, I'm thinking this could be more than just ginger ale. Roasted in Bristol I'm thinking that you mix them to live roastings or your favorite margarita mix or a barbecue this afternoon. We had a request for margarita from the ice cube. We hope you'll join us for another live broadcast and the final week. A Bloody Mary. Mary. There we go. You'll and find you just more throw in a bunch of those on Bristol Farms ice cubes. Now, I happen to have made some tequila, which I'm not going to drink until after the night sharpening conversation. Inspiration at ChefJamie.com. You would all well, stick around. And we're going to so I asked Ida how do you make in uh, a little bit of hatch chili tequila made simply by using the biggest jar you can find. Take a couple of roasted, clean, seeded hatch chilies and throw them in the blender with water. By the way, you can find them in the package until you have a Watery chili mix to come as long as they and last in the store, ice right? cube trays. And now, then I'm thinking this the best be more tequila, than just ginger ale. I'm thinking that you mix it over the top cocktail, and then close your favorite margarita mix every for a barbecue this afternoon. A week. We had a request been, for martini um, from the ice cube. For about cubes. three weeks or oh, so, okay. brewing, I like to say. A Bloody, Bloody 
canary. There we go. And you just throw in a bunch of those hatch chili ice cubes. Now, I happen to have made some tequila, which I'm not going to drink until after the knife sharpening conversation, Chris. But if you would all stick around, we're going to partake in a little bit of hatch chili tequila made simply by using the biggest jar you can find. Delicious. Brian, you got two of roasted Melissa's hatch chili from your Brian Bennett in house, by the way, you gentlemen, by the way. He is mid-week and for the coming weeks to come as long as they last in the stores, right? And then the best tequila, I use a Zunia tequila poured over the top and then closed and stirred or shaken every couple days for at least a Mine has been for about three weeks or so brewing, I like to say. This dish that we're eating here is honing your as well, Lana, right? We did get a question from the audience, and this one comes up often, Chris, and all spice will you talk. But the difference they are, well, they're serving different hatch chili inspired okay, dishes, right? And it's uh, a roasted chicken breast edge, with hatch chili mashed mm, potatoes, me, shredded bevel. cheddar, and a cream sauce that's delicious. 50, 50, Brian, you got to taste that. Absolutely. So delicious. Brian Bennett in house, ladies and gentlemen, by the way. He is Paul Fleming's partner. And if you've been to Paul Martin's American Grill, well, then you have really good taste. We're going to catch up with him in just a moment. Chris Capehart of Capehart Cutlery here as well. Ida Rodriguez and Robert Schuler of Melissa's. Chris's mobile okay, so sharpening, sharpening truck is, is just outside. He is the master the technician of knife sharpening at its best with over 30 years of experience. Of a, uh, and we're going to get back to talking about knives, uh, right? Like and honing now, your edge, this, uh, essentially. We did get a question from the audience, and this one comes up often, Chris, and I'll slice while you talk. But the difference between sharpening and honing. Okay, there's two different edges on the knife. One is a primary edge, which is... make my knives, I make my knives we call bevel. Now, the primary edge would come in at a 50-50 differential, so when meaning you're out that there if you want it to be 15 degrees on one side, it has to be exactly the same 15 quality. on the other side. That 15 is where you want a very thin knife, which makes it very fragile, this and it could be now, easily chipped or cracked. For the now, what we like to work with, we like to work with something around a 20-degree bevel, and then we hone it. Okay, so the sharpening part is the bevel, the primary edge. Then the honing, we do at a much steeper level, which will give it more of a ability to cut, more like a chisel, if you will. Now, as you're cutting with this leather finish, we like to use the leather finish because that works best in most households. Uh, we do a double hone for commercial use, which is a little bit more abusive. Ever. They like to yeah, use their steel a little a, bit too much. When I make my knives, I make my knives hard enough to hold an edge, but yet soft enough to put an edge with a steel. So when you're out there buying your knives, ladies and gentlemen, everybody that listens to Jamie knows that we're looking for quality. That is where you want to ask your, your salesperson, how hard is this knife? Oh, now, if the knife delicious. is too hard for the wow, average person sweet. to work with, it would be around the, uh, a 58 to a 60 on the uh, Rockwell scale. The we, I make my knives about 52 to 55. As you can and hear, I they cut just wonderful. Now, it, in my fast, opinion, please take the time to learn the hardness of the knife when you're purchasing one so that you can get something that will work well in your kitchen. Please try this at home. Look at that. Isn't that gorgeous? That is, I think, the best blade on a knife And I was just going to drizzle this right over the yeah, fruit. This is what I call a, a fruit carpaccio, by the way. And you take your Put freshly sharpened coated Capehart cutlery right knife into the bowl and of you your thinly sliced or even strawberries, tequila over that in a glass. Whatever fruit and you, you have, have mangoes and papayas. the ultimate cocktail. Mangoes. 
that Robert sent Chris, over. Chris, go ahead and talk oh, more, if you would, about delicious. the different blades wow, on the knives. Wow, super sweet. Uh, the and then made the uh, a very the simple patch chili syrup. To I took agave to syrup You'd from Melissa's, and I cut a very hot patch chili in half, and I threw it in there. It looks happy, doesn't it? Yeah, that's a raw hatch chili. Super spicy, right? And I just let it sit in there, and it made friends with the agave, and now they're totally connected. And I was just going to drizzle this right over the fruit. If you want to talk about a spicy fruit salad, put a spoonful of that coated fruit right into the bowl of your favorite fruit soup or even splash some tequila over that in a glass, and you have the ultimate cocktail. Chris, go ahead so and talk more, if you would, about thin, the different blades on the knives. Break or uh, the different shapes of the knives help with the design of what you're cutting. For an example, if you're going to cut a tomato that has a four-inch diameter, you'd want to use something with a blade length that's twice the length of that. Now, when you're trying to find the balance of a knife, you can balance the knife by putting your finger out and making like a teeter-totter with the knife. When you find the balance of the knife, take your thumb and index finger and pinch right there and try to find a comfortable position for your hand to sit on. Again, that will give optional, you the comfortability you to cut as long as you'd like. Sharp. Again, design each a, knife for each job and try to have the best edge for that I would right go with now. Jamie's using this to cut fruit a very thin, so a fluted knife. Now, this is the one with the grooves the on the side that puts air pockets between the knife and what you're trying to cut. So if you're trying to cut something that's thin, it usually has a tendency to break or to crack. With these fluted sides, they will not do that. Jamie loves the leather finish on the knife. That seems to be her favorite. We'll come up with a Jamie Wynn edge anytime soon. Oh, I like it. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. We had about a minute left, and I asked you the three most essential knives for any cook's Want to learn collection. How to make that? Well, then Would you stay say with us pairing we chef back. and serrated? It's a hatch chili uh, corn yes, salad serrated demo knife right again here is, is in optional your because you can keep your other knives very sharp. I myself would go with a chopping and dicing knife like a 7-inch Antuku. I would go with a 10-inch chef's knife and possibly. A, a pairing knife that's four galore. inches. Those so where the, are you? Chef Jamie Gwen, the three most important. Sharp knives essential to any great cook's kitchen. The Kpart mobile sharpening truck will be out in the parking lot at Bristol Farms Manhattan yet? Beach throughout the remainder there's of the show. Like and there's still time for you to come on down. You just might learn something, some produce education immediately following this broadcast. And a grilling demo. I will be out here at the grill serving up some Bristol Farms Santa Barbara sirloin tacos with a grilled uh, corn and hatch chili, chili, and chili and summer salad. salad. Want to learn how to make Jamie that? Well, then stay with us when we come and back. It's a hatch chili corn salad demo right here in your radio. As the delicious the conversation continues, more with Robert well. Knight of Melissa's. You'll hear from Brian Bennett of Paul Martin's, Chris Capehart Cutlery in-house. And we're roasting hatch chilies galore. So where are you? Chef Jamie Gwen along with Lana in your radio. That smoky flavor profile is paired with something else grilled or barbecued. So, um, we grilled up some corn a little Are early. you hungry yet? And we're gonna throw There's nothing like together. a little hatch chili in the morning. We're glad you've joined us, whether in your radio or as we broadcast live from Bristol Farms, Manhattan Beach. I have a huge honking bowl. That's like enough for all my friends and your friends and your friends, too, of hatch chili and grilled corn salad. I am Chef Jamie Gwen in your radio. 
And as the delicious conversation continues, we're serving up seconds at chefjamie.com. There are recipes posted, in fact, the recipe of the week as well, on the website, including this hatch chili and grilled corn summer salad. There's lots of wonderful things you can do with hatch chilies. And so we're celebrating. One of the things I love to do from that smoky flavor profile is pair with something else grilled or barbecued. So um, we grilled up some corn a little earlier, and we're going to throw it all together with a container of roasted, chopped, and diced hatch chilies. You can get your fix at Bristol Farms. Isn't it wonderful they do them for you? You know what? There's no prep needed anymore today. Everything is already diced and sliced and ready for you, and there's no excuse that you're not going to cook because you can create fabulous, beautiful, beautiful, fresh flavor at a moment's notice. Some roasted meat or just raw, fresh, diced bell pepper and then some chopped cilantro goes in as well. And it's essentially a salsa. I made a simple dressing using one roasted hatch chili with a little bit of champagne vinegar, a little bit of Dijon mustard, and a little bit of honey, along with some olive oil in the blender. And I just made a simple dressing. Don't you think, good sir? That's an extraordinary meal right there with this salad. Good Easter, Ida. Thank you. You have this beautiful topping for grilled meat, for Um, grilled salmon. Um, You could make it completely vegetarian and serve a spoonful of it over grilled vegetables. I just think it's one of the most beautifully Uh, visual salads. And especially delicious with meat, chicken, fish. I love that you love it, actually. So we taste for everyone a big bowl. We're actually going to serve that over grilled sirloin. It's going to come right off the barbecue. But just right over some grilled salmon here. On I mean, you can see how absolutely beautiful it is. Patty it needs Canzano some roasted hatch chili, just a whole single Patty roast Canzano, chili right over where the top. Are you? That Patty, is what I think is, is don't you think, good like sir? That's an extraordinary code. summer you meal right there. Looks good to me. We are going to live on the air, thank you, Ida, um, give away a $100 gift card to one of our favorite restaurants, because Brian Bennett just happened to stop by, and we're so glad to have him. Uh, We're going to pull a name right now. Good morning, BB. Hey, good morning. How are you doing? Fantastic. Thanks for asking. Well, of course. Um, Give us the the two-minute lowdown right after you pick that name. $100 to go sit and dine to your heart's content at Paul Martin's American Grill, either uh, El Segundo right here across the street from Bristol Farms on Rosecrans or Irvine Spectrum. Call out that name, BB. Patty Kenzano from El Segundo, California. Patty Kenzano, where are you? Patty, congratulations. We're assuming you'd like to dine in your own zip code. You will be dining at Paul Martin's American Grill right here in El Segundo on Rosecrans. Congratulations. Have you dined at Paul Martin's before? You haven't. Oh, you're in for a treat. I'd love to come. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, give us the lowdown, Brian. Uh, you know, a good 60-second version of the the state of organics and incredible produce like Melissa's in the restaurant world, because your restaurant has really taken the industry leaps and bounds. This is a restaurant that really identifies and focuses on organic ingredients, sustainability, and it is an incredible movement when it comes to restaurateurs. Well, you know, Paul Martin's uh, whole vision is about sustainable and fresh and organic and
and supporting the farmers that support us here in California, where our, our restaurants are. And, and this being summertime is, you know, the, the vegetables are coming out of the, the best time. It's phenomenal. But year-round, there's such great... So it's great vegetables coming in, um, out of the fields and, and from the farms the that we try to, to feature. And when you come to Paul Martin's, you're going to see uh, the produce change on a seasonal basis. So it's not people say, where's the asparagus? Well, it's only in our store six weeks. When it stops coming from California, we stop selling it or providing it on our guests. But we just have to change constantly. But it's getting bigger. Uh, the, the, uh, the breadth of what's available from the marketplace is uh, greater every day so that more and more organics are coming on, on, on the thing. All the things that we want to see organic are available now organically and at a reasonable price. Robert, Ida, I think it's interesting to hear from Brian the concept of an organic restaurant and their commitment and we're seeing the same thing go on in the marketplace. I mean, Bristol Farm selling more organics than ever. The opportunity to eat fresh produce locally. What should we be looking for? What is the cleanest, the freshest, the best available to feed our families? Well, first of all, organic produce and organic foods has been a growing trend here in the United States, not just uh, here on the West Coast there. Um, it, is, um, it is known for its flavor, but really it's all about how it's grown back at the farm there. And, um, you know, there's uh, some, some spectacular produce you can find organically right now, some of the peak of the season stuff, grapes, treat uh, fruits like peaches, nectarines, of course grapes and delicious melons. You hit the season right now and look for um, not only conventional but organic produce. Yeah. Interesting to see and to read a lot of the parenting magazines and a lot of the research that we keep up on to make sure that your life is as delicious as it can be. It's talking more and more about the search for organic. If you have a favorite vegetable, if your family has a favorite green, if you're feeding your young ones, um, then go organic and look for Melissa's and commit to dining at restaurants that are committed to that same sustainability and organic approach because it's out there, it's available now. Brian, we thank you for uh, finding a, a new guest, in fact, to dine in your restaurant. What time is dinner? You let me know. Okay. Okay, okay, good. You'll wait till you have the brick chicken. Oh, my, my. Brian Bennett of Paul Martin's American Grill, Irvine, and El Segundo. We're proud to have you as a partner on this radio show, and we thank you. We know you're breaking ground on a new location in Thousand Oaks tomorrow, and we can't wait. And with that, I shall toast you with tequila. So, what can you do with hatch chilies? Well, you can soak them, put them to bed in a bunch of tequila, and make the ultimate margaritas. I brought a big jar of some pickles that Lana and I made. It's what they call in Mexico an escabeche, right? So, a mix of vegetables that are all pickled. I used a combination of apple cider vinegar and white balsamic vinegar, along with sugar, some pickling spices, some Melissa's baby little heads of cauliflower. They're so cute, I don't want to eat them, but I'm going to. And baby carrots as well. So beautiful. And then fresh hatch chilies. Put it all in a big stock pot with the liquid, covered it, brought it to a boil, and let those hatch chilies go from green to that sort of muted yellow color. When they were saturated with the pickling liquid, I put it all into a jar, let it cool, and then I refrigerated it. So should you plan for tacos this afternoon, please come over because I'll gladly share my hatch chili pickles. And you have to mention this again. I think this is I will. brilliant. So if you're looking to make a, a heat-inspired cocktail, whether it be this afternoon or for your end-of-summer party, whether you want to spice up your fruit salad, I took a very spicy, the hot version of the Melissa's Hatch Chilies of the Season 2012, sliced it in half, 
um, vertically so that I exposed the seeds, the veins, and I stuffed it into a plastic see-through clear ketchup bottle where I put all my sauces. Then I poured Melissa's agave over it. And this agave and this hatch chili, they're now married. Oh, with grilled fruit, this would be very good marriage, really. And yeah, they've come together to create this sweet, spicy, succulent mix drizzled over uh, fruit or again in your favorite cocktail you have a hatch chili simple syrup that I think is out of this world if I may say myself yes we want to thank Rick our engineer yes thank you for making it happen always and thank you for the hospitality from Bristol Farms Manhattan Beach uh, James and Bill and Dino and Itza and uh, to Chef Steve for all the support. To the Melissa's crew, you guys are crazy great wow. standing in front of hot fire roasters, making hatch chili season come alive in our own backyard, and we thank you. A very special thanks go to Ida Rodriguez and Robert Schuler of Melissa's, along you. with Peter Steinbrecht, Bill Schneider, and uh, Chef Marco, Chef Tom, and the entire team that make it happen. And a very, very uh, heartfelt thank you to Pat Posey of Bristol Farms, who makes each of these locations and these broadcasts truly come alive with flavor. I am very proud to be a part of Bristol Farms, and I hope you have the good taste to shop there. I hope you have the good taste to tune in next Sunday as well, when we have two more hours of delicious conversation. You'll find Hatch Chili roasting dates at bristolfarms.com so that you don't miss the season. Mark your calendars so that you can meet us at Bristol Farms Newport Beach on Sunday, September 9th. And until then, we'll see you at ChefJamie.com. It wouldn't be a show without you, Lana. Congratulations. (laughs) I'm Chef Jamie Gwen signing off. Thank you for joining us and for listening. I hope you continue to eat well.